The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey friends, welcome to Afternoons with Mike Heard Daily here on The Shepherd. I have with me on the phone line my good friend Tim Kaufman. How are you, Tim? I'm doing very well today, and thanks for the invite to be back with you, Mike. It's always great to have you here, my friend. And, you know, uh, you've been on my show so many times talking about so many different things, one of which we will get to later on in this segment, and that is your singing with Thurlow and Kathy Spur uh, on The Big Christmas Is. We'll talk about that in a moment. But last week, it was uh, not a, a big surprise, I'm sure, to people that knew Dr. Charles Stanley uh, well and maybe had been aware of the fact that he's He's been uh, battling with things and, and just quite frankly, at age 90, has lived a full and strong life. He went to be with the Lord and that uh, has not yet been discussed on my program. And I wanted to do that and thought you would be the perfect person to talk with about it because you had a lot of direct uh, firsthand experience there in that church singing for Dr. Stanley on the platform. Uh, tell us about, man, what was it like to be up there? Well, it was uh, always a delight, and it was um, early uh, in my career. I had uh, left a uh, church staff to go on the road full-time in 1982, and in the summer of 1984, uh, a friend of mine was the camp director at um, Rumney Bible Conference in New Hampshire, and he told me that... uh, He was going to be having Dr. Stanley in for two nights, and would I be able to come from my next engagement over on uh, Tuesday night? And I said, I'll figure out a way. (laughs) That's (laughs) right. I wanted to introduce my singing to Dr. Stanley. So Alicia and I made our way to Romney Bible Conference uh, after Dr. Stanley uh, preached that evening, and uh, I'd gotten to sing two or three songs. Uh, We had ice cream. Uh, with Dr. Stanley and his wife, uh, and he invited me to come to Atlanta sometime. So uh, I had a friend of mine that was uh, booking my schedule uh, at the time, and he contacted First Baptist Atlanta, and they just kind of dismissed it. They said, he says that to everybody. And so I thought, okay, what do we do here? And so they they instructed that we write a physical letter explaining the context, the occasion, et cetera. Long story short, I was extended an invitation to come on uh, Palm Sunday weekend um, in 1985, and it was just before our twins were born. And um, and then uh, that began a 15-year uh, relationship. And the reason I mentioned the twins is that that church was one of the churches that went to prayer on behalf of our twins because they were two months premature, a lot of challenges, as I've shared on your show in the past. Mm, And uh, they just really interceded for us. Dr. Stanley became a great friend to our ministry. And then, so they would have me in on a Sunday, and I would sing two songs in the morning uh, in the first service, two different songs in the second service. So they had four in the can. 
and they would edit those in along the way. So it looked like I was at First Baptist Atlanta a whole lot more than I was. And then I was invited to go to some of their in-touch uh, rallies around the country. And uh, that took place from about 1985 to 2000. Wow. Oh, my goodness. A lot of experience. And you're right. I mean, you know, for a television audience, it's one thing. He has a, a, a vibrant church, had a vibrant church there in Atlanta at First Baptist. But then there's this other thing that he did. I thought it was so interesting. I haven't seen this every time that a pastor pa- uh, passes away who was on radio, but he was actually given the, the title of broadcaster. And that's how influential uh, Dr. Mm. Stanley was in television. So a lot of what you did inside those services were, like you said, cut up and put into the can and then on the TV production which would also be pulling from some of these, but they wouldn't necessarily have every aspect of every service shown on that TV broadcast. So you'd be inserted week after week, and uh, astute astute, uh, viewers would be wondering why you didn't change clothes from one week to the next, my man. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Mike, I do have to tell you about my first Sunday there, So uh, after we went uh, through makeup and the coaching and when uh, to be on the platform, et cetera, Dr. Stanley said to me, if you'd like between the services, just hang out here in my office. And, um, you know, they had a few munchies, orange juice, coffee. And I said, well, thank you very much. So I sang the two songs, came back to his office. I was in there all by myself. And of course, uh, I'm a student of scripture. I wanted to inspect his library. So I'm looking at his library, looking at the titles on his shelving. And as I'm going, my eye is going around the room. There was a chair rail in the middle of the wall, a uh, decorative chair rail. And I noticed on the opposite side of the room, there was a break in the chair, uh, in the chair rail. And I went over and I noticed that almost secretly notched in the wall was a door. <laughs> and I was too curious. Uh-oh, I here it opened, goes. I, I opened it up, and I looked inside, and there was a mural. There was a little kneeling bench. There were three or four Bibles or notebooks or things like that. And honestly, I saw where he knelt and it was worn in the carpet. And it's like the Holy Spirit said, okay, that's enough time. You're on holy ground. Close the door. Wow. And I closed that door, and I said, that's why God's hand is on this man. A man of prayer. My goodness. Mm. And he had the the prayer closet right there kind of hidden away among his books. Literal prayer closet. That is something. Well, it's clear he did a lot here in his time. He, uh, John Piper, years ago, wrote a book called uh, Don't Waste Your Life. And uh, boy, I th- when I think of Dr. Stanley, I think of that. I mean, he's a guy who did not. And he his books, his uh, resources that he put out, uh, we were privileged to start carrying his program uh, back in 2015 at the inception of The Shepherd when we were on in Gainesville and uh, Ocala only. And uh, he's been a part of this this whole network on those stations uh, still to this day, uh, his ministry. And I understand from them, it's going to go forward uh, even uh, after his passing 
they're going to keep the radio program going on. Oh, I'm sure they will. Uh, just like with Dr. J. Vernon McGee, he's been gone for how many years? How yeah, many decades right. now? At least two. Uh, Dr. Adrian Rogers, it's hard to believe it was 2006 that he passed away, and his love worth finding is still going. I'm sure that in touch, and this is the beauty of broadcast, it can literally be Hebrews 6, him though being dead, yet speaks. Yeah. You know, it's so crazy, isn't it, how these that have gone on to glory and their radio shows are still on. I'm always amazed at this. I listen to Adrian Rogers and I know, like you said, it's been, uh, you know, probably recorded well before even the year 2000. And yet, isn't it crazy how relevant and how up to date Mm -hmm. it sounds? That's amazing for me. I just don't know how that happens. Well, I think that those, uh, those professional, uh, communicators really knew how to uh, contextualize their messages. They didn't throw in telling dates or events. Uh, I mean, every once in a while they would, but you know, they didn't date themselves within the body of the message so that it would be timeless and relevant, um, you know, for for all time. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how that uh, everything happens with that church. It's a big transition when somebody like Dr. Stanley passes to glory and and then someone's going to come in and I it will be interesting to see what happens always difficult to follow such uh, an uh, influential and godly man as he I'm so grateful we've been able to present him while he was here and thankful that his ministry will continue on and man your uh, your singing is uh, I'm sure that that's something that when you look back on the uh, kind of experiences that you really treasure I'm sure that some of those dates were among that list. So many highlights. Um, uh, I think at the time that uh, my first time at an in-touch rally uh, was in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, I was able to be with them uh, in Seattle, in Tacoma, um, and a couple of the, or Hershey, Pennsylvania, and then we were in Philadelphia, Pittsburgh. And uh, every one of those nights was just spectacular. It was memorable. People uh, came. And and it was really interesting that they, uh, in touch, uh, wanted to make sure that they were above reproach in so many ways. They would never have, and I, I was shocked at this, but they would never have product sales at these events. They said, if you would like them, go to the website or order them from the bookstore Mm. or call us, but they didn't want anything to take away. They had an offering for the ministry, and that was the only um, uh, exchange of any of the finances. It it was very low-key, and um, that was something that uh, was surprising because usually an event like that, when you've got anywhere from Five to 15,000 people in an arena, uh, that's going to be a huge product day. And they said, you know what, we're going to do this behind the scenes. Wow. That's amazing. It is. He was a great man of God, and I know will be missed by those that uh, were privileged to get to know him up front and close, as were you. I did not know that your first meeting with him happened over ice cream, man. That's pretty exciting. <laughs> Yeah, that was great. It really, it was a memorable night. It, it, uh, Alicia and I still cherish that time. 
Well, the last time I saw you, Tim, we didn't get to talk because there were about 500 or 600 people uh, in the room to celebrate the life of Bonnie Alley. And uh, Mm -hmm. I know you know Art and you knew Bonnie quite well. Uh, You're part of the church that Art attends at Liberty and uh, you sang at her funeral. Man, I tell you, that was a God-ordained celebration of life if I've ever seen one. I, it was. Um, I have to say, it's. It. It might be the most um, celebratory and uh, God honoring um, funeral. And I've been a part of a lot over. You know, uh, I've. I started singing for funerals when I was 15 years old, mm-hmm. and so I've seen a lot of funerals. And that was just. That's. I won't say it's best, but it's definitely in the top five. It was something amazing, and hearing from people like Mike Huckabee, that was pretty cool via video, and also mm-hmm. uh, Matt Staver, he and his wife Anita were also shown via video as they were in Israel at the time. Art and Bonnie are the, one of those couples that their names just flow together. It's going to be mm-hmm. weird to say now, Art without Bonnie, it's it's really something. Yeah, it is, um, and they have such a great legacy. Um uh, you know, Art uh, is very gifted in the area of business and had a vision to uh, to not put money and promote products that are uh, anti-Christian mm-hmm. and even hostile to the things of God. And he said, we're going to put people in good investments that uh, that do not invest in things that are opposite what we believe in and he he's done that successfully and uh now i think he's managing over uh his company timothy plan is now managing i think over two billion in assets that is amazing isn't it yeah and his office is right in uh the, the maitland exchange area so very close to where we are in our studios right here uh tim i know that and speaking of that you not terribly long ago i think it was around the first of the year maybe the last part of uh, 2022 you became the full-time worship leader uh the 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 main worship leader for liberty church how's that going my friend well it's it's going really well uh my first sunday there was the first sunday of december and um uh it's uh it's a young church and so we have uh, limited resources, and so we uh, said, okay, how can we make uh, the best of this? And um, uh, picked up uh, some singers, uh, one player uh, along the way, and were you actually utilizing uh, pre-recorded soundtracks in a very, very tasteful way, and we have developed a blended style of worship where uh, we're using older songs in a newer context and the newer songs in a very tasteful context. And um, I just personally, uh, not, uh, you know, every church ha- has its own, uh, is its own subculture, and they're all going to find uh, how they worship best. Uh, I just believe that um, it's best to try to target a blended style of worship because the church is blended. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not the young church, we're not the old church, uh, we're not the hip church, we're not the uh, fogey church, we are the church. And so we want to try to find a uh, a good, happy medium, and uh, I think I think we're getting there. 
By the way, Liberty meets at the SDA Church at 455 Maitland Avenue in Altamont Springs. That's where you can find Tim and the whole crew with Liberty Church. So one thing that we've always talked with you about, Tim, every time you've been up here, it's been about your singing. And in particular, in the last several years, you've been part of a big production at Christmas time, the beginning of December, actually. And I got to see it last year for the first time. It's called Christmas Is. It's an extravaganza put on by Thurlow and Kathy Spur. And last year was just amazing. Got to see uh, you there and got to see you sing. That was a pretty uh, great experience, wasn't it? Yes, and I got to work with your daughter and your son-in-law, as That's a matter right, of fact, yeah. in that production. That's right. They both sang for the first time this last year. Wow. Well, it was. It's, um, you know, when you say the name uh, Thurlow Spur, uh, you say at the same time Derek Johnson, you say Bill Gaither, you just, there's so many names in Christian music history. Uh, Ron Huff comes to mind. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, these men uh, are uh, part of uh, what all of us younger guys uh, listen to that. Uh, you and I are uh, almost seventy, and uh, no, I'm not almost uh, anymore, man. <laughs> oh, that's right. You did turn seventy. You're that's just, right. But yeah, my my uh, my seven zero is coming up in October. Okay. Anyway, I beat you. Us younger guys <laughs> looked to these men, uh, some of whom are now with the Lord, some who are soon to be with the Lord, but they um, they blazed a trail. They produced music uh, that glorified God with excellence and precision. Uh, and, and to think that Thurlow is still cranking out Christmas productions at his age. Yeah. Uh, and we almost lost him. We did. Know, yeah, it was not close. Not too long ago. Right after the last, uh, last December's event. It, yeah. was, it was close. But he's doing well. Yeah. He's recovering and getting stronger every day. So I know Christmas is, it's a little early yet, but that date is going to be here before we know it, and Tim will be singing again in that one. So you got to see it at um, the Christmas is extravaganza. It's coming up in December. Tim, I'm out of time, but thank you for spending the time. These reflections of Dr. Stanley, so meaningful, and uh, we wish you the best over at Liberty Church. Thanks so much, Mike, and anytime. It's a pleasure. We'll be right back with Bonnie Anderson, an author and a friend for many years. That comes up in just a moment right here on Afternoons with Mike. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 
481-9095. Hey there, here we are back again now, segment two, and on the line with me, a friend of many years, a former neighbor, I might add. We lived uh, just about three houses away from each other. Uh, she and Bob and Cindy and I grew to love each other over the years. Bonnie Anderson served on our team of uh, the creative team for our church's Christmas parties for years. So we've had ample time to sit around and write things out. But I had no idea back then, Bonnie Anderson, that you were going to turn into the author that you are today. And you're working on your second book right now, right? I am. And thank you, Mike. It's been a pleasure and so much fun working with you over the years and now into this different time of our lives. So not writing skits so much, but um, yeah, I'm working on my second book. That is so exciting. Now, I want to talk about that in a moment, but let's start, first of all, with the whole writer's itch. I mean, again, when I go back, when we lived in Orlando the first time before moving to Gainesville in '02. Uh, again, all of those years, you and Bob worked with us, with a, a, several other team members as well. And writing was obviously something that you and Bob both did uh, uh, in terms of writing out skits and things. Did you know back then, Bonnie, that you were one day going to be writing a book? I had no clue. Uh, it was uh, starting to write the skits kind of fell into my lap when I look back. Um, I was interested in helping out with the Christmas program. So I told our mutual friend, Debbie, hey, if you need me to help you, like find props or uh, do whatever you need me to do. Um, and then, you know, it wasn't that long before I was alongside you guys writing skits. Well, not only were you alongside writing them, you were writing great material. <laughs> It was so much fun. And when I look back at those years of doing what we called the Christmas Bash, what fun memories that gave us, right? Oh, my goodness. They are some of my very favorite memories because we were talking about our church. We were um, not trying to take ourselves too seriously, but have a good time fellowshipping, reflecting back on the year and just laughing together. It was wonderful. It was a wonderful relationship building time. Well, I agree completely. And again, Cindy and I go back every now and then we'll see a clip. We've got some of the uh, uh, performances, you know, preserved forever on a DVD and that's fun. But I mostly just in my mind and the fondness of getting to work with this team that was something that was even greater to me than the event itself because we worked on that for months and, you know, that anticipation. Somebody once said that it's more fun to anticipate an event than it is to go through the event itself. And I think there's some truth to that. I think there is, too. There's something about the excitement and the planning stages. Yeah. That really it's, it's culminated in the event. But the, the planning stages goes on. We would start those events in, like, June. So it would take us you know, five or six months to put it all together. That's right. And a fun six months it was. So the idea of writing a book, Bonnie, most people think about it. I would bet if we did a survey of just everybody in Orlando or everybody in Ocala or Gainesville, we'd probably get a great number of people that would say, yeah, I'd like to write a book one day. And I think the percentage of them that actually ever do 
would be a fraction of that number because most people, it's, uh, they just don't get around to doing that. What caused this to kind of germinate in you to the point that you actually sat down and began writing out a story? Well, it really started with my dad. Um, he was um, born in 1923, so raised during the Depression um, outside of Baltimore. He had wonderful stories of, about his rascally young life. And I don't know how many of them were embellished, but it didn't matter. They just <laughs> captivated us. So uh, one day I was thinking, and this has probably been, oh, I don't know, 15 years ago, maybe 20. I just wanted to start writing down the stories so I wouldn't forget them. And as I was getting more stories, I started realizing I could make a story arc and make a flow that maybe would be a book. And that's how it all started. Isn't that something? Stories about your dad. Now, you mentioned before we began this interview that your dad moved down from the Maryland area back in, what, 74? Right. Yeah. He retired from, um, he was a civilian working for the Air Force on Andrews Air Force Base right outside of D.C., he retired at the age of 50. Um, it was They were doing a reduction in force, and because he had been diagnosed with something called premature atrial contraction, they approached him to see if he wanted to take an early retirement, uh, largely based on that um, health problem. Mm-hmm. So he did, um, and they moved to or the, the Orlando area, um, became very active at Calvary Assembly of God Church in Winter Park. And not long after they got here, um, God healed him of the heart problem. So here he was at 50 years old, uh, retired and healthy. Isn't that something? Now, I know that he probably spent a lot of that time that he wasn't working doing this craft that he's had picked up along the way, and that was doing some magic tricks, right? Well, he did. I mean, he was a lot more active as a magician earlier in his life. Um, When your fingers are a little more nimble than when you're in your 50s. Um, But mostly when he retired, um, he helped Steve Strength start Charisma Magazine. Um, He uh, was, he and a neighbor, just they would go fix people's cars. They put sprinkler systems in. He's just really a servant. Isn't that something? Now, you mentioned Steve Strength, and that would be Charisma Magazine, right? Right. Wow. So what was Art's role there? I don't know all of the details of it. All I know is it all started in um, down in uh, one of the rooms at Calvary Assembly, and Dad helped Steve with things. I don't know, but I, I met Steve in later years. Uh, my dad passed five years ago, and um, Steve is just like, oh, you know, he just thinks the world's my dad, and uh, Dad and Mom have a lifetime subscription to Charisma Magazine. They they made sure that they were able to come to the big celebration that was probably about oh, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. They had it. Yeah, it right. Some kind of anniversary. So uh, I don't know a whole lot about that, but I um, I do know that there was quite a, a friendship between Dad and Steve. Yeah, your dad was amazing. And we're talking about Art Manning now. That's uh, That was his name, and what a, what a wonderful man. I had an opportunity. Bonnie, I honestly can't remember what the occasion would have been, but I got to be around one time when he was performing his magic tricks, and he was delightful. It was so cool. He was. Um, 
when in the early days, uh, he, like in the early years of their marriage, my parents got married in 1948. Um, Dad would do magic shows. He would go to orphanages um, at Christmas time, um, retirement parties. And um, this was kind of a side gig for him. And then after he came to know the Lord, and my parents got saved when they were in their 40s. Our whole family got saved around 1971. Um, so he started to think again about the magic and and actually was able to weave preaching the gospel, telling the gospel into his magic shows. And I think the time you're referring to was a um, Halloween when we both lived in the same neighborhood. That's it. And um, so we invited all the neighbors' kids to come into our house. That's it. Dad came. Yes. Yep, we cleared all the furniture out, and as God would bless this event, it rained on Halloween. So everyone was, I don't even know, we probably had 40 people in there. <laughs> it was packed out, yes. I yeah, remember that now. Yeah, all the kids in costume, and yeah, that was a, that was a great night. Well, you know this this whole thing, obviously the the whole uh, personality of your dad, which was just he was a charming man. Uh, the <laughs> the experiences that he had, uh, the stories, like you said, uh, you know, we never know how much of those stories were embellished along the way. I had a friend one time that he used to use the phrase evangelistically speaking. And he would tell a story, and I would I, I hung around him so much. He was in our band that we traveled around, and every time he would tell the story, it got just a little bit more exciting, you know. And there were things. And one night, one one trip, uh, we had had a flat tire tire on the way down to Florida, and he kept telling the story at every stop along the way that our band was playing, and uh, one of the uh, members of the band. He was older than I. He leaned over to me and he goes, I'm glad this is our last night here. If he tells that story anymore, we'd probably both get killed and <laughs> that'd be the end of us. It's, it's, yep. um, so your dad probably did embellish a little bit, but uh, it, all for fun. And the idea now to take some of those stories and use it as the base for a book. So that, that began uh, after you started writing down things for your memory. So that that had right. to be a fun process. It really was fun because um, I knew some things that uh, Dad was interested in magic at a young age, and his father was a taxi cab driver for a while. His dad had lots of different jobs, which was not unusual at that stage. People would lose a job, find a job, and his dad brought this man home one night and. Uh, he had picked him up late from a cab fare, and he's like, you can just sleep on my couch, and I'll take you where you want to go the next morning. It was That's how they did things back then, right? Uh, which is, sounds, sounds pretty foreign to the way life is now. But um, that, that man actually um, was instrumental in um, giving Dad some ideas about magic, so... Yeah. So you never, you never really know. You never know how this is going to develop. And did he know ever that you were going to be writing a book about his life? Um. Well, he knew once I got going with it. Uh -huh. And I was really, really nervous to tell him because um, if my dad had a fault, it was being a perfectionist. And I'm like, he's not going to like the idea that I am adding to the story, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I understood that, but, um, that's, 
it messed with my um, writer's voice in a way. So yeah. I, I didn't show it to him for a long time. Oh, right. Um, when I when I finally did, I mean, before I actually published it, um, he, he was very proud of me and very honored. Um, he did have you know, some comments, which I would have been shocked if he hadn't. Um, but he was okay with it. So I think, I think that he liked the idea quite a lot that I did that. Now, I remember, Bonnie, when you first wrote this book, the book it's entitled Always Look for the Magic. And again, it's uh, the character in the, the story is Artie. So that's your dad. And at what right. age is he represented in the book? He's about 11. All right. Um, so it's really, the, the book is a, um, it's a children's book, like a middle grade uh, ages, maybe uh, 8 to 12 would be the reading range. But it it has enough of a feel of wholesomeness and family that um, a lot of adults have told me how much they enjoyed it, too. Well, I think anyone that likes to read likes a story like that. Number one, there's this nostalgia impact that when you read a good book, and Bonnie, you're a great writer. When you read a good book, it just kind of pulls you into that story. And you don't want to, you don't want the book to be over. I mean, I've read so many books where I'm like, tears are coming to my eyes when I read the last page. It was like, no, I don't want it to be over. No, no. <laughs> I know what you mean. Sometimes if I'm really into a book, I'll wait to read the last chapter and just get in a real cozy space so I can just kind of take it all in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I try to build myself up for it and it, it never works. <laughs> I'm always just sad. And that's the way yeah. it goes. But this is a delightful book. And even the, I don't know, who did your illustrating for it? Anna Stafford. Uh, she goes to her church. Her maiden name's Kester. She was single when she did the cover for me. But she was delightful to work for, work with. She had never done anything like this before. I pulled some pictures of my dad and his younger brother, Tommy. Um, and this is kind of what I want them to look like, described them better because she had to age them a little bit and um, told her what I wanted. I'm like, I, they roller skated everywhere. I want him roller skating. I want cards flying out the back instead of like you would see um, steam or smoke. Uh, <laughs> and I want cards flying back and I want him to wear a top hat, like a, a magician's hat. And uh, she captured it so well, I couldn't have been more pleased. Well, it's one of the best and most interesting covers I've seen. And again, it's called <laughs> Always Look for the Magic. And uh, you can find this book, by the way, friends. It's right on Amazon. All you have to do, go to Amazon and type in Bonnie Anderson, and it will come right up. Always Look for the Magic. And uh, there's, a, there's a whole lot... Uh, about it that I just think it's it's awesome. But having met Art and having the opportunity that I did, I you know I could not remember the context. But you've you've shared it. That is exactly when it was. Now that you said that, I remembered being there in in your front room where he had the table set up and all the kids are going oohs and ahs all the way around. It was a great great night. And so I know your book is going to be an enjoyable read, uh, but I want you to come back after the break. But before we take the break, Bonnie, uh, there, there's got to be, you know, like 
an exciting thing that happens with an author like yourself. When the book comes out, it's done. The cover that Anna drew, it's there. You've got it. You can smell the ink on the pages. But you did that. I remember seeing a picture of you where you did like a uh, a book signing party. That had to be pretty cool too, right? That was so much fun. There's a local bookstore in Mount Dora that um, allows local authors to come and so that was a lot of fun. I also went, did one in the land, which, you know, it, it just doesn't get any better than that because I love meeting people. And uh, it was it was just kind of surreal. Like, am I really doing this? You know? <laughs> well, the picture was great. The picture was worth a thousand words. And there you were smiling, copies of your books all around, sitting out there in the store. I, I loved it. And I'm knowing you, I mean, I was up in Gainesville, I think, at that time. But I'm thinking this is so cool that she got to do this. My guest, and I'll be back with her in just a moment. My guest is Bonnie Anderson, and she is the author of the book, Always Look for the Magic. And we're always looking now for the second book, and we're going to find out more about that when we return. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando, offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. My guest is a friend of many years. Bob and Bonnie Anderson were neighbors to Cindy and me. Our families grew up together. We were in each other's uh, driveways always playing basketball, the, the guys, the dads, and the kids. And we had all the neighborhood kids at one house or the other all those years on Tall Tree and Lake Bossy Oaks. My kids, they look back to those years and they tell me all the time, Dad, I think we had the coolest growing up years ever. And I think they did, too. It was a lot of fun back then. It certainly was. Well, Bonnie, uh, you know, you've written this book that's all about your dad and, and the, the stories from his life. Before you actually wrote that book, you were already doing something that kind of came along a number of years ago. Uh, called blogging. And a lot of people may have not heard, I, I don't think I'd ever heard it uh, ever before until people were bloggers. And and I'm thinking, okay, wait a minute now, what is a blogger? What is a blog? And it was almost like a daily article, if you will, that people would publish. And obviously with the advent of social media, there became ways that uh, people were writing and publishing their works in ways that had never been done before. And you got going on that. So did your blog have a particular uh, slant or theme? Yes. Uh, my blog is a humor blog, um, although not like necessarily roll on the ground laughing kind of thing, but it's trying to look at life in a humorous way. Uh, two of my heroes were... Irma Bombeck and Dave Barry for they had a weekly column. So I, I used to read both of those. Paper. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing that I love to read. And um, I started thinking about it with blogging came to be more of a thing um, and uh, decided I would give it a try. So I, my blog is life on the lighter side. 
and it's um, I do it about once a week, and I've been doing it for 12 years now. So I try to look at the life, the light side of stuff, the funny side of stuff, and anytime I travel, I turn it into a travel blog. Now, so when people were doing this in the beginning of it, I mean, there were other things technology-wise developing in real time right alongside the blogging. Uh, where did you first publish it? How did you publish it? I um, I published with WordPress, and I had no idea what I was doing, but our uh, once again, our mutual friend Debbie was just a little ahead of me in the blogging world, so she came over one day and helped me set everything up. Um, I wasn't very savvy about anything with a computer then other than just word processing. And uh, I'm still not very savvy, but I've got enough now to keep my WordPress blog going. Uh, WordPress is a great place to blog. You can do it for a minimum minimal fee or actually even free if you allow ads in. So it's uh, pretty uh, friendly. Um, and uh, that's, that's just a that's the format I've used since the beginning. Now, do you publish like a promotion uh, in social media places like uh, Facebook or, or through Spotify? Do you ever, do you ever put anything like audio wise out there of your blogs or is it just reading? It's just reading. And I do, um, I have subscribers that get it in their email and then I uh, go out through um, Facebook and Twitter as well. I haven't tried anything audio-wise. Maybe you'll inspire me that way sometime. <laughs> there you go. That's it. That's it. Well, I think you should read your own stuff. I mean, you you do such a great job. Now you were. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna reinterpret something I just heard you say. You said you like to look at life through the lighter side. There is a fun little way of that you have of doing it, and that's what Irma Bombeck. There was almost like a cynical way that Irma would put her articles out there, and she just said what everybody else is thinking. And I think <laughs> Bonnie, that's what you do too. Isn't that right? Oh, thank you. I try. Um, actually, uh, right before COVID, uh, my friend Roxanne and I went to the Irma Bombeck Writing, Writers Conference together, and we just wanted to soak in as much inspiration as we could. And it was it was amazing. I'd never done anything like that. I was stepping way out of my comfort zone, and uh, it was educational, and it was fun, and uh, exhausting all at the same time. That is, sounds like it was so much fun. Now, every writer that I've ever talked with before at one point or another suffers from what they call writer's block. Has that happened to you? It has, especially for my blog, um, like after my, my dad died uh, five and a half years ago. And uh, that was hard because nothing's funny anymore, you know, mm -hmm. um, during, during COVID, when I wasn't getting out to interact with people, um, nothing was funny anymore. And so it was much more challenging to pull myself out of just looking at everything through what I was seeing and not letting um, the, the darkness be the main key. Because really, it's the, my blog's name, Life on the Lighter Side, it's got a double meaning, light like funny and mm -hmm. not serious and also light because Jesus is the light. So I want to point people to stop looking at their circumstances and look up to him. Mm. 
That is so well said. And, you know, I, I agree with you. When you've lost someone, we're just coming up on the one-year anniversary for my mom's passing. And when I think back to that day, I was I obviously flew up there to, to be with her in those last days and uh, continue to do my radio program. Uh, I found that even doing my daily radio show during that time frame uh, to be a bit of a challenge. And God helped me. But I know what you're talking about. There's this emotional thing that can step up and it kind of blocks out your normal creative thoughts. And and after right. all, a writer, you've got to have that beginning, like the end from the beginning viewpoint about what you're going to do. You've got to know where you're going. You've got to know yeah. what you're wanting to write about. And when you're that emotionally affected, it's hard to do that, isn't it? It is. Um, fortunately for me, I'm like you, and no one was expecting anything out of me. So if I needed to take a little bit of time off, that was okay. And I'll just come come back in when I'm ready. Mm -hmm. Well, you do a marvelous job. There's one other aspect about writing and you that I'd like to bring out, and that's the fact that you not only, you've mentioned Debbie, uh, Debbie Walter, she's been on this program before as well. Uh, Debbie, uh, among others, and you have a fairly large group that you actually work with. It's a, it's a writer's group. So tell us about that. Okay. Um, this group started about 20 years ago, and it used to be called the Writer's Block because most of us lived in Lake Balsey, like you and I and Debbie did. And we were just an odd group of writers that lived on the same block. <laughs> that's so that's how it started. And over the years, it has changed. COVID changed it quite a lot as well, because we used to meet in person, and we would usually meet at Debbie's house or my house. And then when COVID came, you know, that came to a screeching halt. So um, we, we opted to try the Zoom idea, like everybody else. And that was okay, but it was kind of a transition of, I really miss being in the room with these people too. Now we're just like looking at screens. But the cool thing about it is that um, for us, we can see how God set us up to, um, to change as a group. We are no longer the writer's block. We are the writer's arc which sounds a lot more positive. If you look at writer's <laughs> block, that has a negative connotation to it if you don't know that we all lived on the same block. That's right. That's funny. So, yeah. So now we're the writer's arc, and we meet monthly via Zoom. I administrate the group, and that's you know pretty much just setting up the Zoom meetings and uh, posting on the Facebook page when we have something going on and sending out emails, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And... Um, then uh, Rob Swanson is the one who leads the group. A year ago, Rob moved to Colorado. And Rob and, was on this program. He's one of my first month's guests on this radio oh, program really? back in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. So I like to call him fearless leader, which I know he hates, but, um, you know, it, he's stuck with it. So um, because we're on Zoom now, we can continue. I set up the Zoom meetings and we get on and Rob generally leads us. Sometimes um, uh, Leslie Santa Maria will uh, bring the teaching or discussion, um, but generally it's Rob. Well, that's really fun. I, I I knew that Rob was a part of that, but, uh, you know, it's really great to realize that, again, with technology, 
he's out in Colorado and always showing us these beautiful vistas that he gets to see uh, of the mountains and things like that. But he's still able to take part in this. Now, Bonnie, we're all living in a day where, again, technology has changed the way even publishing happens. Uh, I've had and I'm sure, you know, Dan Walsh. Dan's been on my program a number of times as well, talking about the changes that happened in the publishing world uh, as a result of self-publishing. I know Amazon came in and kind of changed everything around. Uh, your own book, Always Look for the Magic, was that self-published? Um, no, it was published by Prevail Press. And Rob's probably talked about that when he was in um, in with you early onto your um, mm-hmm. doing these broadcasts. It's more like... Um, it's more like a, a kind of a combination between self-publish and publish on demand. So where if you go to someone on the Internet and you're looking for help to publish your book, chances are they're going to want an outflow of money from you. And you are going to have a stash of books delivered to your house eventually. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff in between that as far as formatting and all that. And you're still going to have to market. So with Prevail Press, um, it's a group of us who have kind of been bind it together in this prevail press, which Rob is the, uh, the the head of, I don't even think he has a title, but um, so that way we can encourage one another. So after I have a book ready and, and if it goes through prevail press, then it's available on Amazon. And, but we don't have to have this, you know, big outflow of money to stash books in our house. When it's ordered on Amazon, Amazon publishes it, prints it, publishes it out, out the door. So it's uh, it's much simpler. It's clean. So and they I, actually, I like they print it themselves, huh? Amazon does, yes. Isn't that something? Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm not even sure. I knew that one. I knew they marketed it and and uh, fulfilled the orders for it, but that's pretty cool. And that's the whole right. thing of print-on-demand. So Prevail Press, that, that would be Rob Swanson, and uh, his programs are available. All you have to do is uh, go to the Internet, type in Afternoons with Mike and Rob Swanson, and uh, his his uh, one, of his, one or two of his blogs, I mean his uh, podcasts with me will come up. Well, it, it, this is really helpful to, to kind of get the back knowledge on all of the things about your book and you're working on a second book right now Uh, in one minute. Tell me a little bit about what that one's going to be like. This is a uh, adult humor fiction and um, where my other one was more for a kid's age. It's, it's clean. And I like to think of myself, uh, which I shouldn't as like Fanny flag. It's like you take a neighborhood, you explode that neighborhood with characters and see what happens. So that's what this is based on. A, um, my in-laws, actually, who took in a homeless man. And it was crazy stories. So we wanted to keep those stories. And again, I've elaborated <laughs> in my own way. Oh, my goodness. That sounds awesome. When do you expect it to come out? I would think it'd be out by the end of the year. That's wonderful. Bonnie Anderson, your uh, artist's name, your author name, Bonnie Manning Anderson. And uh, again, the name of the book that you can get on Amazon right now, Always Look for the Magic. Bonnie, thanks for being with me today. 
Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Mike. Well, it's been a joy to talk with you and kind of reminisce a bit as well. Friends, we'll see you next week. Have a good one. This is Afternoons with Mike right here on The Shepherd. <laughs>